0: Before we actually um, have the Bible read, I want to ask you, have you ever felt really cut off or alienated? It happened to me when I was eight. Uh, back in the UK, we have something called the Cubs. I think you have them here, it's like Cubs of Scouts. And I went along, it was a Tuesday night, and at the end of the night, uh, the Cub leader said to me, you're not welcome back. I did hit somebody <laughs> but the point is that for the next three, four, five years Tuesday nights came and I sat at home and I watched friends of mine go in the cups and they went off on camps and I wasn't welcome and they had their own language they had a toggle thing whatever it's called and their dib dib dibs and, and I felt completely cut off completely alienated that kind of alienation can happen at a national level so if you grew up in East Germany uh, in the 1970s, 1980s you'd be completely cut off from the West you had your own currency uh, you had your own parliament, you had your own sporting teams and it, even if you wanted to go to the West you couldn't because there's a massive war there called the, the Berlin Wall and if you were in the East you would have felt completely cut off from the West it happens here in Australia As late as 1968. 1968. If you were an Aboriginal, indigenous person, you had to have a pass. You had to show a pass to actually leave a city or go into a city. Uh, You weren't allowed to go into the same schools. You were cut off from the whites. Happened in the States. Uh, In the 1950s, if you were black in the States, you had your own washrooms, your own cinemas, your own schools. You were cut off from the white people. Let's just watch this video, a bit of a glimpse as to what it's like to be black in the U.S. in the fifties. If I could tell the world just one thing, it would be, we're all okay. Not to worry, cause worry is wasteful. The darkness in the 1950s uh, you couldn't go to the same bathroom as a white person if you tried to go into a cinema uh, you'd be shut out probably quite violently you know that idea of being alienated being cut off it happens in our society I was talking to a friend of mine his name's Peter uh, he has gone through great marriage difficulties not at this church and you know he came home one night to find that his wife had changed the locks on the house and he stood outside the door and he looked through the window and saw his kids and he with tears down his face described what it felt like just to be shut out and to be cut off when you are alienated or, or segregated it's painful isn't it we do it even here at church you know, if you don't go to the right school or wear the right clothes or you're not in the in gang then you're not talked to and you can feel cut off it is painful and it's profoundly wrong and what's the answer to alienation or segregation what did you need for Peter to be uh, back inside the house with his wife you needed a word called reconciliation reconciliation is actually when you take two warring parties and you bring them together as one to be reconciled. It's more than just words. It's more than just a piece of paper. It's when you take two people who have been enemies and you bring them together and they live as united people or reconciled people. That happened in uh, East and West Germany, didn't it? The the Berlin Wall came crashing down. But it's not enough for a war to come falling down. These people need to, need to work at that unity and live together as, as a united nation. Earlier this year we heard our Prime Minister and what did he say to the indigenous people? He said the word Sorry. But reconciliation is more than just saying sorry, isn't it? Words are cheap, words are easy. <laughs> to be really reconciled we need to show actually that we're going to be living as a united people. Indigenous, and non-indigenous Why am I saying all this? to feel the full weight of tonight's passage you've got to understand what it would have been like to be a Gentile at the time that Paul is writing Ephesians see we sit here and I'm guessing that most of us here are, are not Jewish some of us might be and we just assume that of course we can know God and of course we can walk into God's church and of course we can be Christians and of course we can be forgiven but back in the first century when Paul wrote his letter to Ephesians uh, if you've been born a Gentile you'd be completely cut off Uh, two things separated the Jews from the Gentiles two things that made the Jews think they were superior and the Gentiles feel they were inferior one was the law Uh, The law was God's good commandments to his people to show them how to live. But the Jews took this law and they twisted it and they distorted it and they added to it and they used the law to say, hey, we are God's chosen people and we are superior. And you Gentiles, you're dogs, you're nobodies. We hate you, they'd say, because we've got the law and we're better than you. The law was one, the second one was a temple if you you know your your history the temple stood in the middle of Jerusalem and in the middle of the temple was the Holy of Holies that's where where God was said to dwell and then you'd have a a court for the men only and then you'd have another court for the women only the Jews, women Jews that is and if you were a Gentile you had your own court but your court was just a bit lower than the Jewish courts and between your court and the Jewish courts there'd be a wall a a metre and a half thick and if you were a Gentile, you would stand in the lower court and you would look up to the Jews. And there were big signs on that wall. And it didn't say trespassers will be prosecuted, it said trespassers will be executed. So if you were a gentile in that time, and there is God's people, and there's the Holy of Holies where God is, and you're thinking, I'm a nobody, and you're being told you're a dog And you've been told that you can't know God. Now how are you feeling? What are you thinking? It hurts to be cut off, doesn't it? It hurts to be separate. You've got to understand that to feel the weight of what Paul is about to say. Let me read it to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. He says this. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, and that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope, and without God in the world. But now, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with all its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were, who are near for through him we both have access to the father by the one spirit consequently you are no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's <coughs> household <coughs> excuse me and members of God's household Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Let me pray. Father thank you for the scriptures. Thank you that we can sit under your word tonight. Uh, Lord humble us. Lord, would you show us uh, what you've done for us in Christ? Would you refresh us again with the the wonder of the cross? Uh, Would you rebuke us where we need to be rebuked? And would you help us to live as your church? we ask that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Just two points tonight. The first one is this. Remember, remember that you were once separated or alienated from God. Paul says in verse 11 remember, remember verse 11, verse 12, remember he's saying, don't forget this. Don't wipe this from your memory, don't press the delete button. remember it. and we, we teach our kids lest you forget. And he's saying, it's easy once you're sitting in church for a long time to forget, forget what it was like before Christ. Now if you chatted to a 15 year old in East Germany today, they would have no idea what it was like before that wall came down a 40 year old warden, they'd remember and you and I have got to actually get somehow under the skin here and try and imagine and remember what it was like what was it like? Uh, verse 12 you were separated from Christ uh, Christ was on your radar the, the idea of a messiah you had no concept of that you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were separate from Israel. You didn't have a Jewish passport. You couldn't get a Jewish passport. And without that Jewish passport, well, you were, you were cut out and you were excluded. It's like being in the alien queue at the airport. You were separate from Christ. You were separate from Israel. You were foreigners to the covenants. That, that promise that God made that he would be their God and they would be his people he made that to his chosen people Israel and you were foreigners you were away from it uh, the, the damning one is without hope uh, because before Christ yes you had dreams yes you had aspirations but you had no hope you had an, absolutely no certainty of, of where you're heading and then he says without God without God in the world you go about your daily life You can earn lots of money. You can have a happy family, but you've got no hope, and you've got no God. Because that's what life was like before. Remember that. I think you and I forget forget what we've been rescued from. He says that if you're not a Christian, if you're without Christ, then you are helpless. You're Christless. You're hopeless and you're godless. It's a pretty bad state to be in, isn't it? And I think you and I can often sit here and just we welcome to church as though we belong here, and you know it's easy for us, and we forget actually, you know, we don't deserve any of this. And you can sit at your your, your table with your family or your friends or people you love and you don't talk like this in that language if they're not, without, if they're not with Christ then yes they are hopeless and they're godless and they're hopeless. and we need to capture the depth from which you've been rescued remember what you were like without Christ because then you can rejoice secondly rejoice that you're now reconciled through Christ you see it says in verse 13 it's a great but we had a great but in verse 4 and in verse 3 like the rest we were by nature objects of wrath but but because of God's great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ another big but in verse 13 you are without hope you are without God but but now in Christ you who are once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ what's happened? Those of us who are a long way away have been brought to the throne room. It's kind of like you're standing outside ASS Stadium tomorrow at five o'clock and you haven't got a ticket to the grand final and you're shut out and you can't get in and someone walks out and doesn't just give you a ticket, they take you right into the player's box. It's kind of like if you're me, you're standing outside Buckingham Palace and you're at the gates and you, you really want to get in. And the guards are there saying, No! And then the Queen herself comes out and says, Come into my throne room. That, that's basically what he's saying, that, that you were cut off, you were far away. Now, what does he say in verse 13? You have been brought near. It's not that you yourself did anything. It's not that you push yourself to the front of the crowd. It's not that you, you, by your energy and and your, your goodness, came to God. No, you have been brought near through the blood of Christ. What has Christ done for you? He's taken you from nowhere. And he's brought you into his throne room. And that means that you've been reconciled. You've been reconciled to God, vertically. And you've been reconciled to each other. You've got to have the the vertical before the horizontal. You've been reconciled to your maker. Verse 14, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body, to reconcile, to bring together, both of them, to God, through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. see the word reconciled it means more than just forgiveness. the word reconciled means that you have been forgiven, you are welcome and now you're living together as, as, as one person and you've been reconciled to your God to your maker has that happened verse 16 through the cross through an old wooden cross of Calvary by which he put to death their hostility Uh, not the hostility between Jews and Gentiles but the hostility that you have with God and that they had with God because of your sin and he's put that hostility to death how? by turning away God's wrath at the cross there's apparently a true story of a a bushfire in in, in Australia and a couple of days after the bushfire had gone through As they were clearing the wreckage, they found this sort of, this almost, this sounds pretty disgusting, this sort of charred hen. And underneath the hen were some live chicks. And she's kind of covered her chicks as the fire went over and protected them from the fire. That's kind of what it's saying here, that that your hostility to God deserves God's wrath. The way that you offend God, the way that you live without God, the things that you do saying, get lost God, it deserves His wrath. He is rightly angry. And that anger is is, is fire, and yet on that cross he's taken away the hostility. The Lord Jesus Christ bore your pain, took your punishment, so that you can be right with God. People say to me, how do you know you're forgiven? I think verse 30 is a great verse to say. Because in Christ Jesus, I, I who was once far away have been brought near, through the blood of Christ. Uh, Through the dripping blood from his forehead and from his wrists, through the blood from his side, that's what brought me near, through the blood of Christ. It's not just the historical events, my friend. Lots of people say, Jesus died for my sin. Lots of people say, Jesus died for the sins of the world. The question is, has he died for you? But now, in Christ, you personally who are once far away have you come to the foot of the cross and said yes, I I need your forgiveness and yes, I've done wrong and yes, thank you Jesus for dying for me and thank you that your blood was shed for me personally because if you haven't it's still like you're you're in the Gentile courts and you're, you're cut off from God and you're shut off from God and you can pretend you can go through the motions you can sing the songs but unless you have come personally to the foot of the cross and with humility knelt before the cross and said thank you Jesus you're not reconciled but the wonder of reconciliation is that when Jesus came what did he preach verse 17 he came and preached peace peace to you who are far away that is the, the Gentiles peace to those who were near that's the Jews and if you've understood reconciliation the wonder is there in verse 18 for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit if you've understood that you're reconciled it means that you can walk into the throne throne room of God you can bring him your requests you can sit at his feet you can pray you you can experience what it is to be a child of God to be adopted, to be forgiven it's the most beautiful thing isn't it to know that you're forgiven and to know you can talk to him as your father because you've been reconciled you've been reconciled to God and that means you must be reconciled to each other Often we you know, we pray for peace, don't we? Pray for peace between uh, the, the Israel and Palestine. But you know, there will never be real peace until actually both those sides have been reconciled to God. You can't have the horizontal peace without the vertical peace. It's like when I've got a, a couple who are going through really hard times in their marriage. What I say to them is, you know, get right with God. Put God back at the centre. That will help you in your reconciliation with each other. It doesn't guarantee it, but it's going to help it and he says that if you have been reconciled to God then you are reconciled to each other uh, look at verse 14 he himself is our peace who has made the two one he's destroyed the barrier that is the, the law the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations now, all those laws about washing and all those rules that the jews made up he's abolished all of that uh, the commandments are still good but they're not the way to be right with God. And he's taken that and said, No, no it's not about law keeping, it's about trusting in my son. And he's made us one. What was his purpose in verse 15? To create himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. It struck me this week today you know, uh, before Christ, there, there, were, there were two groups of people. There were the Jews, with their laws and their regulations and their temple. And then there were the Gentiles. Now what have you got after Christ? God doesn't just add the Gentiles into a Jewish community. After Christ you've got three groups of people. You've got the Jews who are still stuck with their laws and their circumcision and all their regulations. They don't don't recognize Christ. And you've got the Gentiles who are hopeless and Christless and Godless. And you've got a third entity. And it's called the church. It's called the church. Where Jews and Gentiles together are united and they're one. You don't stop being Jewish, or you don't stop being Greek, or you don't stop being Italian. But you're one. In Christ. And that is the church. And friends... If we've understood that it's, it's through the church that God has chosen to demonstrate the reconciliation that He has brought? Has got to affect the way that we relate to church, hasn't it? That's what He says in verse 19. He says, "You are no longer foreigners and aliens. You're no longer shut out. You're no longer in the alien queue. But what are we? We're fellow citizens with God's people." We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're members of God's household. That is the church. And the church, verse 20, is built on a foundation. It's called the Apostles. They're the people who saw the risen Christ. It's called the Prophets. They're the the post-resurrection spokesmen, if you want. But who's at the centre? Who's the cornerstone? Verse 20, with Christ Jesus himself as a cornerstone. He gives a shape to the church. He gives a shape to the body. And in him the whole body is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. See, if you would lived in Ephesus, if you've been to Ephesus, one building dominates. It's called the Temple of Diana or the Temple of Artemis. And it is magnificent. If you've been in Jerusalem, one building would dominate. It's called the Temple. And what, what God is saying here is that we're not blown away by buildings like a temple anymore what we should be blown away with is what? the people called the church that is how God has chosen to show that he's living amongst us dwelling amongst us by his spirit if we're founded on Christ we're built on the apostles and and the prophets then we as a church are a holy temple in the Lord what what will that mean for us? What would it mean for you and I to be reconciled with each other? Number one, three quick things. It matters how we relate. It matters how we relate. You know, if the person sitting next to you is in Christ, and you are in Christ, then you are brothers and your sisters. If there needs to be some reconciliation, then work at it. If there's hurt or there's grudges, then work at it it matters how we relate to each other because we are the church we are living, breathing, walking, talking demonstration of reconciliation it matters how we relate to the new people that come to our church how dare we put up new barriers and new barricades again how dare we put a a, a barricade called social class or, or looks or intelligence how dare we do that They've all been broken down through the cross. How dare we put up new barriers based on whether you're trendy or whether you're not trendy? Whether you went to the right school or the, the wrong school. How dare you put on barriers depending on whether you live in a certain part of Kerbery or another part of Kerbery? It matters how we relate. You know, if we've understood reconciliation, you all work hard at welcoming all people and if there does need to be some forgiveness and some reconciliation with each other please I'm urging you, work hard at it we're the living, breathing, walking, talking example of reconciliation it matters how we relate it matters what we preach it matters what we preach because the reconciliation comes through what? through Jesus you see we could easily just put on lots of social action things here at church lots of social events, lots of good works, but unless we're preaching Christ, unless we're preaching the cross, we're not actually reconciling people to God. Yes, we're reconciled to each other, and we'll be a nice, happy club, but without Christ, people are still helpless, and godless, and hopeless. It matters that we preach Christ crucified. It matters that people understand the cross of Christ. It matters that they understand it's by the blood that they're reconciled, and by nothing else. It matters and if I stop preaching Christ please tell me please rebuke me it matters how we relate it matters that we, we keep preaching Christ and lastly we're not surprised when disunity happens I'm not surprised when disunity happens in a church you know because that is the devil's best weapon to try and show the world that the cross didn't really work because people out there on the street you know, they don't often listen to a sermon they don't often walk into a church building, but what they see is Christians and the way that they relate to each other. And what better way for the devil to say, you know, Christian doesn't really work, and the cross is a waste of time, than to have a church and have Christians are, are, are disunited. You may be here tonight, and you may be sitting here, and you've never really been reconciled to God. Oh, you've sat in church for many weeks you've sung the songs but you yourself are not united with Christ you're not in Christ you're not sheltered under the blood of the cross and I'm pleading with you and I'm urging you it's not enough to be reconciled to each other please be reconciled to God it's a simple way to do that simple way to do that you just come to the cross and you say thank you Jesus for dying for me thank you for your blood that was shed for me thank you that you forgive me please help me to live as a reconciled person I'm going to pray that prayer in a minute. But there may be some people here tonight who you have been reconciled to God but actually you're not reconciled to each other. And I'm going to give you a moment now just to think. Maybe there's an individual that you need to be reconciled to. Maybe there's a relationship where they're still hurt and they're still grudges that you need do business with that person to show that you've been reconciled to God and therefore reconciled to each other. I'm going to pray prayer. So a moment to think, then I'll pray a prayer for those who for the first time might like to be reconciled to God.